1: Just to give you a heads up, one of us is bound to say something not suitable for little ears. It is, after all, the one hour a day I spend away from my children.
0: Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, December 16th, the Bah Humbug edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, writer, a contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is eight and a half and then some, and we live in Los Angeles, California.
1: I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
2: And I'm Zach Rosen. I host the Best Advice Show. It's a really short podcast in which I feature your best advice. And I live in Detroit with my daughter, Noah. She's four and Ami is one.
0: On today's show, we address a listener who loves seeing long-distance family over the holidays, but is completely overwhelmed with all the stuff that comes with the visit. How can they manage the holiday blues and keep everyone else from melting down? And then we tackle the age-old problem of monsters in the closet. What to do when you've tried everything, everything, and your kid is still scared. On Slate Plus, we're talking COVID lockdowns with kids. Zach will update us on his current quarantine and we'll lament how despite vaccines and masks and distancing and all that we've done, we're still here. First, it seems a lot of you all had a lot to say about our teenage privacy conversation last week, and we wanted to share one of the many emails that we got with you. Take it away, Zach.
2: I'm writing in response to the letter writer who asked if it was okay to snoop on her 16-year-old daughter's phone. While I agree that teenagers are not adults, I teach classes on adolescent development, and a common theme in the research is the importance of how parents negotiate teens' growing needs for privacy and autonomy for their later adjustment. This is especially true from mid to late adolescence. Every child and family is different, of course, and research and day-to-day parenting are two different things. I can definitely see why there is ambivalence. I just wanted to add the perspective that it's important to think carefully about negotiating these privacy boundaries respectfully. Two questions that came to mind as I listened to this episode were, would she be asking this question about a 16-year-old son? And would she feel comfortable listening in on her daughter's phone calls or through the door of her room without her knowing? Yes, phones and the internet blur the boundaries of public and private. And if parents want to take a stand that phones are public and communicate that to their teens, that makes sense to me. But if the goal is to monitor conversations with a love interest without the teen knowing, that's a different consideration.
0: We always love getting feedback. Uh, thank you so much for listening and writing in. And thank you for everyone who sent such thoughtful responses. And to those of you who just straight up yelled at us, we still love you too. By the way, um, I think I speak for the group when I say that I trust my hypothetical 16 year old son 100%. less than I do any human being on the earth, <laughs> And we would absolutely be reading his phone too. If you want to share your thoughts about something we've discussed here, or if you have a question that you'd like for us to consider, send us an email at com. Now, triumphs and fails. Zach, what do you have for us this week?
2: We have been in quarantine. Well, officially, so my one year old has COVID. He's been out of school now for uh, what year is it? What day is it?
1: <laughs> what it's year still? is it? Exactly.
2: He's. <laughs> He's been out of school for 10 days, so I've been home with him for 10 days, but quarantine didn't officially begin until this past Friday, because it wasn't until the previous Thursday that we got um, his positive test. He was just out prior to that, because there were cases in his daycare class, but now he has it. We're on day four. He's done on Sunday, Uh, and then the following day, my daughter's quarantine begins, so you know, we're just marooned on our own island which feels different, right, than, like, when COVID started and we were all quarantining because we're, like, everyone's living their life and we're we're just at home stuck. And relatively, we're super lucky because he's asymptomatic. We're all asymptomatic. We're all in, like, decent spirits. My wife is going back to work tomorrow, but it's been the two of us tag-teaming for the past uh, four days. And um, it's just kind of a constant, like, mental negotiation of, like, don't look at the calendar, don't think about how much longer you have. And yes,
0: that's important.
2: Yeah. And and just like trying to have fun with a kid. So yesterday we 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 took a rare trip out of the house, even though I don't know if we're technically supposed to, but we made sure not to be around anyone. We went to just a peninsula on this on this island near our house um, called Belle Isle. And usually like my daughter's like, I want to go to the like I want to go to like the jungle gym and like do stuff. Like that's often the incentive or the motivation for getting her out of the house. But the, the, the triumph, which I've been slowly getting to the triumph is that she just was like excited to like, look at the river and look at birds. And it, it was this real evolution from, from where she's come from. And that like, she, she was just like appreciating nature. She didn't need to like have an activity, right? She didn't have to have like something scheduled. She was just down to like go and sit on the riverbank for 10 minutes. And, After those 10 minutes, my wife and I were like, all right, let's go. She's like, no, I want to stay. And this is something that I was, before I had kids, I was so excited to like, you know, figure out how to teach my kids to appreciate being outdoors. And it feels like uh, it was really starting to click yesterday. And it was this rare, very peaceful moment inside this kind of uh, never ending, monotonous, tedious quarantine where she was just happy to be there. And she was kind of reminding me that I should be as well.
1: I love that this parenting triumph has come as a result of something you never could have anticipated when you were thinking like, I can't wait for them to appreciate. Yes. i just waiting for the first global pandemic to <laughs> yes, lock us sir. in our house and really make my children appreciate. That's all it one. took.
2: <laughs> yep. That's all it took.
1: I think that's great though. It's, I'm glad you're like getting out. Cause I think even just showing the kids that the importance of nature and maintaining like our mental health and, Getting out, and we can be responsible and still be getting some fresh air, and and those things that keep us healthy is important.
0: Very true. Very true. Nice one, Zach. What about you, Elizabeth?
1: Okay. Well, longtime listeners will know I'm obsessed with all kinds of crafts, and um, Christmas is just an opportunity to force my entire family to participate in all of these crafts. So I. I'm actually not even sure that the kids love it or they just love that it's like a lot of time with me being really excited because they seem to find that really fun. There's also like a lot of sugar involved, right? So we always do a gingerbread house every year. It's one of my favorite things. My mom, of course, like had a baking tin that made the gingerbread molds. I, I'm i not the baker cook in the family, so I buy the little kits. And this year, since everyone is sort of old enough to do their own, I bought three separate kits. So I got... we. I've kind of always bought this one from Wilton. I got from two from Target that had these great, like, here's a tower, here's a townhouse, here's a doghouse. I was like, these are great. So I bought these kits. And then I let myself this was on Sunday, I let myself get conned into like opening the boxes when I wasn't ready. And I don't know if that's happened to you as a parent, but like we were coming back from something we were doing and the window was short, but the kids wanted to like make the gingerbread houses. And I just sort of was like, sure. And so we opened these. And then of course the problem is you have to construct these things with icing and you basically have to be an architect, which I am not. So that led to like me being incredibly frustrated and mad that now this like activity that I was going to do was like ruined. So I'm like asking everyone to get away from the table. Cause everyone's trying to help, right? Like put these things together and the icing, you have to like hold it. So it hardens enough. And cause I didn't get normal gingerbread houses, none of them fit together quite right. You have to like know which pieces. I and mean, it was a total disaster. So I basically, everybody cried. Everybody was mad at me. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, we are we are not doing this now. You know, there was lots of like, Christmas is ruined. This is my favorite activity, but redemption. So that was like major fail because I was I I don't I usually can absorb a lot of the chaos and kind of roll with it, but I think since I was the one that was frustrated and I knew I had made the mistake, it was like I couldn't quite wrap my head around how to recover. So we actually moved on to the next activity, uh, which was Jeff taking the kids to the park without me. But then that night. I poured myself a glass of wine. I put all of the gingerbread houses together. I got out little ramekins and opened all the candies so that mon- and then like put it away so that Monday after school, when they got home, everything was set out for each of them to complete their gingerbread. And I had covered the table, like all the things to make it enjoyable <laughs> for me as well as them. They had a great time. I think they've forgotten that I've, you know, ruined Christmas. We have a nice little gingerbread village where each of their houses is exactly like them. And I, I love it and I'm happy. And I'm also trying to forget that I like just completely lost my cool because I'm not an architect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you get so much credit for even having the ambition to take on three gingerbread <laughs> yeah, houses. That's...
2: That's beyond I like my scope. You say by instead houses. of you're crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or that I you've got me like, I want to order, I want a Wilton gingerbread house now. That was one of like my most pleasant childhood memories. I don't know why. Like, and I'm always like, oh, they don't taste that good. We shouldn't get it. And I'm like, nail would probably love doing that We didn't we, have we don't to even eat that. that.
1: I don't even let them eat it because they mm. sit out. We sit ours out. Yeah. But the kids love getting to decorate them. Like it's so fun. They just smather ice cream and Oliver's very into rainbows. He did all these rainbow doors with M Eminem. I was like really impressed because he's not really like my planning kid, you know, and Henry mm-hmm. did a whole little garden because he let, you know, the house is kind of bare, but he did this whole garden um, in front. He took some town, ta- he did the townhouses. It was, it was really lovely. I, I actually highly recommend it. I just recommend that you prep the kit before giving it to your children <laughs>
2: because
1: mm-hmm. you will not be able to put it together with their help and they will break something and you will lose your mind. Just saying. <sighs> Good point. Well, okay, congrats on Jamila, making it through, though. Good point. I think you have like big, uh, big news, right? <laughs> I do. I do. It's funny. I was like, oh, I'm going to share something else this
0: week, but I'll share it. I do have uh, a. You some can news. share something else too,
1: but you have to share have, your big news.
0: <laughs> no, um, I have a triumph, and my triumph is that I sold a book.
2: Wow! <laughs> oh my God! Amazing!
0: Yeah. Thank you. What is um, it? Uh, The working title is She Bad, Notes on Love, Hate, and Baby Motherhood. It's a book of essays about um, race, culture, and race and pop culture and all that stuff like i you know typically wrote about before i became a mommy blogger of sorts um but largely about black single motherhood and how it exists in the public imagination and how that's impacted my own journey and um yeah i'm just really excited about it i've wanted to write a book for a long time and i wasn't sure what exactly to write i've had a literary agent for like five years. We went through a lot of different proposals and I could never finish one because I just never loved the concept. Mm. I always just loved the idea of writing a book, you know, and there was a time where I felt like everyone I knew had a book deal and every writer, you know, that I was friends with was very clear on what they wanted to write. And they were taking their proposal out and, you know, getting it done. And I just couldn't figure it out. And in the past year, uh, you know, I, a concept kind of came together and it made sense to me and it was the story I really wanted to tell. And I think a a story that I'm really ready to tell, um, I think I had some growing up to do and some introspection and some stuff I needed to work out around my motherhood. And I'm just really excited. It's not a memoir. There'll be personal stuff in there, but it's, you know, it's definitely not a biography. Um, but I'm really just excited about it. Uh, I sold it to Rock Lit 101, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House, um, started by Sean Jay Z. Carter. Uh, All right. Yeah. Wow. I'm just,
2: yeah. Is he your editor, too?
0: He is not my editor. <laughs> <laughs> He's not my editor, but my editor is the editor of my dreams. Her name is Kieran Mayo. She and I have a long professional history and. Um, she's just incredible. And, you know, when I set out to put this book together, I had no idea that she was looking to become a book editor and Mm -hmm. everything just kind of worked out in such a really magically, um, synergistic sort of way. So I'm just, I'm really excited. It'll be on, uh, on shelves in 2023. (laughs) So we've got some time.
1: I know I'm like texting her. When can I (laughs) pre-order? She's like, Elizabeth, (laughs) I have to write it. I gotta write it. <laughs> I'm ready now. Tell them. I'm yeah, ready so are order. all the so are all
2: the listeners. That's We're right. ready to pre-order it.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate that. I'm I'm super excited, and you
1: know, um, yeah, that's all I can say. I'm, just I'm so really excited, excited for you. I'm also really excited to read it because I love your writing. Um, but I I'm just so pleased. I just feel like you've had a bunch of like triumphs and fails, kind of semi-related to this journey along the way. So it feels also like a like an update for the listeners like guys I went through all that but it um because you've had deadlines and then like balancing that with motherhood and all of that that we've talked about so I'm just I'm just so pleased and so excited for you thank you Elizabeth I
0: really appreciate that To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. All right, uh, let's get into our first listener question.
2: I'm no Shasha Leonard, but I'll do my best here. Dear mom and dad are fighting. How do you fight the holiday blues? December is starting and I'm not looking forward to Christmas. There are the typical stressors, too much shopping, too many logistics, gendered expectations, travel. But I think for me, it comes down to our annual trip to visit family. My husband, child, and I travel several hundred miles to visit my parents, siblings, nieces, and nephews for Christmas each year, and it's so hard. We all love my family, but I always feel so stressed by seeing ill family members and by trying to keep my 10-year-old happy. He loves seeing his cousins, but disruption to his routines causes huge emotional outbursts or hyperactivity. He has ADHD and anxiety and is in therapy. My parents live in a cold part of the country, in a very rural area. There's nothing to do but hang out at home with my family. There are no convenient hotels and few activities. It's cold, dark, and cooped up. We have a busy city life at home, and my son has lots of friends. The week of boredom drives him nuts. Honestly, it drives me crazy too. I also have a chronic illness, so at the end of this, I'm usually feeling exhausted and sick. I don't really enjoy my Christmas presents, and during the celebration, I'm always on guard for my son to melt down. I don't want to stop visiting my family. I love them dearly and school schedules mean that this is the only time my son can see his cousins during the school year. I just wish I could enjoy it more. Signed, Christmas Gets Me Down. Okay. To me, this is very simple, but I know it's not as simple for you, listener, because uh, this is complicated because it's family, but cancel this GD trip. Don't go (laughs) on the trip. Even if you already bought your plane tickets, cancel the trip you are not going because it is not going to make you happy and vacation time holiday time time off from work is your time for you and your family it's your time to relax to chill the fuck out to have some fun and i totally feel you i mean of course your family wants to see you of course you love your family but this year is unlike every other year Except last year, which it's kind of similar to um, in a messed up way. But I had a couple on my advice show a couple weeks ago, and they gave me this advice, which I hope might help you here. When you're at a crossroads like this, where you're not sure what to do, it's a two-part question that you can ask yourself, your family, the people who are in on this decision. Am I happy? And if the answer is no, the second follow-up question is, what will make me happy? So going on this trip is not going to make you happy. What will make you happy? It, it might be staying at home and chilling out. It might be just doing your own little family adventure, like a short drive from your house. And, you know, audibling and having this, this, this kind of unexpected thing for a couple days, still giving yourself time to relax after. But it really doesn't sound like this is the year for you to see your family. You should work on, you know, a beautiful card you want to write to them. You should FaceTime with them. But don't go on this trip. Please.
1: Yeah, I I actually, the first thing I wrote is that it sounds like you're not into the obvious answer of just don't go. <laughs> like, I mean, I just, the whole letter to me sounds like talking herself out of not going. Like, she doesn't want to go, and this letter is like, but I feel compelled to go.
2: No, trust so, yourself.
1: So I then was like, okay, if you are going to go anyway, I think the problem is that the only way to fix this problem is by you taking more control of the situation, which sounds like will just make you more exhausted, which is another reason why I think you shouldn't go because the way to fix the the bad visit is to put effort into a visit. Um, I We also have some family that lives in parts of the country that is is not very exciting to go visit. And w- what I do to cope with that is that when we have gone there, I plan a ton of stuff. There are always... Churches putting up lights. There are crazy neighbors that do little light shows and you just have to get on the Internet and find those things and plan things. If you guys like to sit and read or do puzzles or play games or whatever would be good and make your trip worth it, bring those things with you and have that there that is a lot of work. And it sounds like what you need is less work. So again, (laughs) I was like, no matter what I came up with, I just arrived back to, should you be taking this trip? And if you really feel like you need to be taking it, can you take it for less time? Like you can actually have a really good two day visit. Like, yes, maybe it's a lot of travel and that's going to exhaust you. But I assume the school break is about two weeks. I think another thing to consider is pulling your kid out of school for a couple of days to take some kind of visit or all agreeing to do a family vacation in the summer or a family reunion. I think there are lots of ways to remove this. I need to see family piece from the Christmas piece, which seems to be like this is just too much stress all all at once. So um, I really liked the advice that Zach passed on about thinking, are you happy? And then how do you fix it? And I, that's something I feel like we do a lot of saying, like, well, what changes can we make? Um, we decided a long time ago that if our house was big enough to invite people here and they could comfortably be here, that we would not feel at all obligated to travel. And we would just sort of say, if you'd like to come, come. We're the only grandkids on my parents' side of the family. So they feel very like they want to be with the kids. And I just couldn't travel anymore. It's too complicated. I have three kids. I mean, I love to travel, but travel at Christmas is like total chaos. Like you said, it's just too, it's too complicated because there's gifts and expectations and all these things that you mention. And the best thing we ever did was just kind of say, we can't come. You're welcome <laughs> to come if you'd like to, if you'd like to see us. Um, otherwise let's do something in the summer or let's do something at a different time. So I just, I really encourage you to load shed if it's too much and it doesn't have to be every, you, you don't have to be like, I'm never coming again. You can just say, this year, it's too much, and then next year, reevaluate. If it's still too much, don't go. If you really missed it, go. Um, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So, <laughs> I think I I just can't agree more that the obvious answer here is like just take a year off.
0: I am agreeing with you both. Um, I definitely think this is the right time to take a year off. Uh, just all of the circumstances of the year, you know, Zach said make this the perfect time for you to say, this is when it's too much for our family, you know? And I think that that's something that your loved ones have to understand. I mean, you all are the ones taking this journey and maybe other people are also traveling. That wasn't super clear, but it seems, um, that the impact on you all is so profound and it's not just you, right. It's not like you're sucking it up and the rest of the household, having an amazing time. This is your family. So I'm sure your husband's ambivalent at best. Right. And your child is not having the best of times, um, you know, at, at, at moments at least. So I think your household would be okay with this. You know, like you have to navigate the guilt that you have for your family, not seeing you. And just remember like your family wants to see you, but also your family loves you and they want you to be happy and to be comfortable they may not always be able to tap into those feelings when you say I'm not coming to something, right? Sometimes the immature side comes out and it could be your parents or your grandparents, you know, um, or your siblings, like, you know, big adults that, that, that begin who can be very childish when someone says I'm not coming. But ultimately you have to think about what your relationship to these people is long-term. And hopefully that is one in which they love you. They care about you. They want what's best for you. It is not in your best interest to take this trip or to take it for the length that you planned. You know Um, if you can make it shorter, do so. You know, because it sounds like there's very little that you can do on the ground to really improve conditions for yourself, right? Aside from burrowing into a device. It's not like there's a cool new restaurant or a museum that you've been dying to check out. It's not like you've got a ton of friends in the area that you can, you know, bounce around to. It's cold. Don't do this to yourself. You've got a city life. You know, it sounds like you might enjoy a city Christmas and that's something that I bet you haven't had a chance to do in a really long time. You know, like there are things going on around you that you can access that will be, you know, perhaps comfortable and and enjoyable. Like this time of year is not just about family. It's you're part of the family. When we say Christmas is about family, that includes us, mm-hmm. not just our relatives, mm-hmm. not just our children,
1: but us. Yep. How do you think she should broach this topic? I mean, I I sometimes think in moments like this, the the best thing to do is sort of lay it all out. Like, this is very much stressing me out. I love you guys, but I have to cut something else. I need, you know, something out. I need you to understand this. But I can, like, just feel the guilt that she will probably get from all the cousins. And because I think that's what this letter is. It's like, I want to do this, but all these people tell me how important this is that we gather together at Christmas Mm -hmm. and that we... um, So do you guys have advice for her on on what to say.
2: Yeah. You send them this episode. <laughs> and then if your parents could just rate and review when they're done, that would be great. Yes. <laughs> I love
0: be that. clear that this is not a decision that you're making easily. This is not, you know, what pleases you most you, but you have to do what works for your family. Like you have a chronic illness and I don't know how much you talk about that with your family or not. And and you don't have to disclose anything that you don't want to, but, you Mm -hmm. know, to whatever extent, this is something that, you know, people are aware of. Sometimes folks need to be reminded, you know, like just because you see me functioning and raising a family and going to work and doing all these things doesn't mean that I'm not sick, that I'm not dealing with something that complicates my life. And when it comes to the time of year where people are looking forward to having Having some rest, you know, I need that, and I'm, I'm burnt out. It's been a long year. You know, my body is tired. Um, these trips can be very stressful for a little bit, and you know, I, I think we're just going to have to either cut down our time a little bit, or we're going to, you know, we're going to stay put this year.
1: Yeah, I th- I think she can, you know, prioritize her son's health too. Jamila, you mentioned something about that, and that really got me thinking like, oh yeah, if this isn't good for him, like he needs some stability, and I think it's okay also to just say, it's not, he doesn't want to travel, it's not a good year for him to travel. Yeah. It's, you know, all yeah. of these things, we need to just provide the stability so that he can enjoy this break from school and the celebration or, you know, whatever your family's doing. Um, your small family, plus small fan. if you are used to doing like big family stuff where you're hopping around to a bunch of different houses, it can be really nice to just have a very cozy small family Christmas. Maybe you had one last year and it's, you know, now you're feeling like even more, (laughs) you know, like I need to get out there, but I think it's okay to say too, like last year actually worked out really well. There was a, um, parent in at the preschool pickup today that everyone was kind of discussing their plans and he said for years we traveled and last year we had kind of a forced small family christmas and now i'm never doing anything else it was the best thing and so he just said we're just not going to see family so i think you can you can set those boundaries too
2: yeah i'm excited for the lightness you're gonna feel after you make this decision that's gonna be you know in your benefit Mm
0: -hmm.
2: christmas i want christmas to, to get you up i don't want it to bring you down
0: You will feel so much better when you cancel this trip. You won't feel good while you're doing it. It might not feel good being on Southwest's website or getting on the phone with your mom. All that's going to suck. But when it is done and you realize that you don't have to go, oh my gosh, all worth it. Letter writer, you've got this. We wish you all the best. Good luck to you. This is your holiday. Take control of it uh and please send us an update we'd love to hear what you decided uh you can shoot us another note at momanddadslate.com and if you have a parenting conundrum all your own you too can send us a note at momanddadslate.com and you may even hear it on the show with that resolved we're going to move on to our second listener question
2: hi mom and dad are fighting in the past few months my three and a half year old is beginning to claim he is afraid of everything he can't go into a separate room by himself. Because it's dark or he's afraid of monsters, even if he can see me or his dad from the room he's entering, he wakes up almost every morning around 3am and yells for us because he's scared and we have to physically go to him and help. He can't just come over to our room across the hall. He won't go to the bathroom by himself in broad daylight. I want to try to validate his feelings, and I understand that to him, these fears are real. I also get this is probably just a phase, but guys, I'm tired His dad and I have both been working from home since March because of the pandemic, and we have two days at home with the kids while we are trying to work. My in-laws watch the kids two days a week, and I don't work on Fridays. It's so hard to deal with all that is going on in the world, try to work and parent in general at the same time. Then this issue is thrown on top of it that interrupts everyone's sleep and makes any task or transition a struggle. We've tried methods like drawing a picture of a monster on the wall in his room and making it funny so that he's less scared. We've tried being close with him in the times he's scared and incrementally distancing ourselves until he can be by himself. I've also lost my temper and told him to suck it up a few times. Obviously not the right answer. Our methods are not working. How can we healthfully help our little guy through this stage without losing our GD minds? Sincerely, maybe there are really monsters in the closet.
0: This sucks. Uh, Elizabeth, what do you got?
1: I I mean, my first response is like this. There are a lot of moments in parenting that are exhausting and suck. And I'm sorry that you're in one. Like, I'm truly sorry that you're in one because when you're in them, you have like the least capacity to figure out how to handle it. But you need the most capacity. So this is very normal for 3.5 year olds and, and like that whole age group that I think is just so difficult. This is very normal for them to be scared of everything and for you to try everything the Internet says and none of it works. I think you have to figure out what is, like, instead of figuring out the problem, how do I get him not to be scared, figure out the problem, how can we as a family survive him being scared? And if that means that for us, for one of our kids, it was that we literally put a, a, we literally put a camping cot in our bedroom. And we're like, you may sleep here, <laughs> like if you are scared, this is available to you. And and event, you know, the first couple times it was like, I went into the room, I got the scared kid, I put them on the camping cot, tucked them in, and eventually they just started coming in and sleeping on the camping cot. When we got through that the night terror phase, I just kind of did the thing where now when they come into the room, I just turn them around and put them back into the room. So it it may have increased the amount of work I had to do long term. But we got through this period where I was up every night with this kid trying to get him calmed, and then he would wake up his brothers like a mess. So I think think about what sues him not during the night when he's scared and how do we implement that um, during the night? So if that's like making a space and you bringing him in to sleep in your room because that stops the crying and puts everyone back to sleep great if it's putting some kind of alexa or google in his room so he can turn on music or a sleep story on his own um or a nightlight that you've hooked up to one of those like gadgets great whatever you think is going to help try you know try it and coaching him to eventually do that crutch by himself so that you can sleep. And then when you get to a point at which the, the the scared thing will eventually phase out, then you can be like, okay, we created this smaller, worse behavior, but that at least we were getting sleep, right? Now we can phase that out with everyone being well-rested. I just think you have to solve the the sleep problem as opposed to the scared problem. Because I, I I think you're doing all the right things with the scared thing, validating that You know, the world is scary (laughs) and validating his fears, but that is not going to stop this waking up. I mean, kids this age just do that. They wake up, they're scared, they're alone. There's weird, you know, shadows, weird things. It doesn't matter what you told them during the day until they're able to like recall that themselves and just roll over and go to bed. It's going to keep happening. So so I say whatever you need to do to get sleep. I also think that sometimes in these phases, it just means that you lose that nighttime time you had by yourself and that sucks but your sleep is so much more important and you will feel so much better if you can just go to bed at 10 and not scroll instagram for an hour or not or put off you know if there's any ability to put off work things or those things you would have done in the evening to make more time for your sleep uh it won't last forever and i know it always makes me feel like i'm giving up my free time and so that sucks but it does help because then in the morning or at least when they wake up, I feel slightly more, you know, I slept an extra hour or two, which can make a huge difference. But I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, no, I agree with I agree with that. And just to kind of broaden the scope beyond just the sleeping thing and just to talk about the scared stuff, I guess two of the things I would do is continue validating them like you've been doing and the fact that you slipped up a couple times and told them to suck it up like, dude, um, totally reasonable, totally fine. But when they do exhibit some kind of uh, bravery, you know, when they do go to the bathroom, when they do, like, fall asleep during a nap, um, like, even if they're in the car, when they just, you know, temporarily overcome this stuff, just, like, praise the heck out of them. Just, like, really, really Mm. praise, praise, praise. Oh, my God. You just did so great. Do you realize... You just you just went to the bathroom on your own. I you know I had to leave the room for a second, and you still did it. That was so brave. That was so amazing. Um, so praise, praise, praise. And then also just because a three and a half year old is getting to the point of of being able to you know be reasonable um, or at least to kind of understand some kind of reason. And I think talking about the fear when they aren't scared. Like don't try to have a conversation with it when they're in the middle of freaking out about going to the bathroom alone or, you know, the monsters in their room, like on the way to school, when they're comfortable, um, when you're on a walk, when they're doing something that they like, um, where they're at ease, like, just like have a conversation. Like, you know, what do you think, why do you think it it is scary to go to the bathroom? You know, just be curious, not judgmental and just, just praise, praise them. Um, and, and also like, don't be afraid to see a therapist Mm -hmm. if this persists, like there's nothing Nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. And um, they're professionals, so no no shame in that either. Uh,
0: big cosign to that. I'm such a fan of sending kids to therapy. I'm like, look, we we're not meant to figure out all this shit. You know, some of this is just a little <laughs> bit too much. Um, and yeah, this is very much a normal stage, but you know, I, I think you'll have a gauge as to whether this goes on, you know, beyond what seems normal. Um, you know, and if it's really causing such distress for your child that they can't function. Um, I want to reiterate what Zach said about praise and like lumping that into rather heaping it on thick constantly. So not just, you know, not just in relationship to things, um, Along the lines, of like going to the bathroom with the door closed or things that he, uh, he may be afraid of, but just in general, things that symbolize what a big kid you are. You're so mature. You're so brave. You can do so many things. Right. So the idea of the praise is that you can do so many things, you know, um, it's constantly making them feel like they can do anything. And this is one of those things that they can do you know, it's just going to take some time. Um, I think the two of you all gave really great, uh, suggestions. I just wanted to add, um, lighting is a big deal, you know, and like, if you can like, why have a cat, a, a scary shadow cast against the wall, if you can avoid it, you know, I mean, it's not great for the light bill, but in, in the interest of getting through this period of time, you may need to leave the lights on at bedtime you know, like in his room and perhaps in the hallway, you know, invest in a decent night light or a lamp or something so that he doesn't have to sit in the complete dark, Um, you know, put a night light in the bathroom or leave the bathroom light on at night um, so that he can see that there isn't something hiding. You know, once he gets familiar with what the bedroom looks like at night and what the bathroom looks like at night with the lights on, the idea of them with the lights off in time will get less scary.
1: I think that's such a good point, like sitting in the room too and thinking like he's thinking like what shadow looks Mm -hmm. weird or what, how do I prevent that? Is there like light coming in from a window? Is there a tree branch? Because I assume that when they wake up in a panic, like, you know, three-year-olds don't are, are not always logical thinkers. So waking up in the dark and like not totally knowing where you are, not kind of being in that in-between dream state is probably really difficult. Mm -hmm. Um. Your talk about the bathroom nightlight made me think about this thing we did with one of the other kids, which was that right before I would go to bed, I would go take them to the bathroom. This was kind of during the getting ready to potty train, like at night stage. So I would actually like get them up. But what I noticed that it did is it stopped that night waking. And I have no idea why, but I assume I basically like disrupted the sleep schedule just enough to delay that. So another option is like, are they maybe waking up because they have to pee. Are they, is there a way for you to just like before you, and it's convenient in your nighttime schedule, kind of, you know, rouse them a little bit, walk, take them to the bathroom and then tuck them back in, you know, put a hand on their back, whatever, just till they start breathing, kind of calmly relaxing again, and then walk out of the room, like see if any of those little changes might just change it up just enough that you're not hitting that, um, like that kind of normal wake Maybe because they have to go to the bathroom, maybe from something else. But you know how like if you just you mess it a little bit up. I know with babies, that's a big thing when you're trying to get them to go to bed at night. Sometimes if you can just rouse them a little bit, then they sleep a bit longer. So I don't know. It's something to try it where it worked for us with one of our kids kind of accidentally.
0: Letter writer, we hope that was helpful for you. We are wishing you all the best and some restful nights in the not so distant future. And of course, we are interested in updates. So please, mom and daddyslate.com, let us know what happens.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform.
1: Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts.
0: we're almost getting ready to get out of here. But if you have a parenting question of your own, of course, you can send it to us at momanddadislate.com. And before we leave, we are going to do some recommendations. So we'll start with you, Elizabeth. Uh, what are you recommending this week?
1: Um, so I have this... Lovely kind of family calendar. It's not like good for planning, but if you like to have a calendar that's, that's hanging up that the whole family can see, I love this one from Tiny Shiny Schoolhouse and the link will be in the show notes, but it is done in the round. And what I like about it is that kids can really see how the year progresses. And they have these little stickers for different birthdays that you can put and they're scratch off elements. So it's kind of interactive. It's really visually beautiful as well. But what I noticed it did having one this year was just showing the kids their relationship that it's not, I think with the like regular calendar, it was sort of difficult for the little ones to understand that like, now we get a new calendar, but we're kind of back where we began in this cycle of dates and seasons and times. And the calendar does a really nice job portraying that it also i'm i kind of a visual thinker like that so it's nice to see kind of our birthdays and big milestones plotted out in this year circular method it, it definitely will not replace any kind of like daily <laughs> what your activities are but we have it hanging kind of in our mudroom and the, everyone can see it and i really love it i just ordered one for the upcoming new year so i'm very excited about this um calendar from it's a it's a small little family shop called tiny shiny Schoolhouse. cool very cute, Zach.
2: I've always loved just playing catch. Like playing catch with a ball is kind of an age old uh, thing that I've always loved. And my daughter and I have been working on playing catch, and we were using kind of like a kind of like a dodge ball, like a squishy dodge ball that isn't so light for a four year old. And she was getting really discouraged that she couldn't do it. She's like, "Oh man, I'm I'm never going to be able to catch. I'm never going to be able to throw." And so we kind of figured out that playing catch with a balloon is a lot easier, and it's a great kind of gateway ball to use if you are finding that your young one is interested in catch but is getting frustrated by, you know, their their lack of progress. Use a balloon, and you'll see that very quickly they'll develop their confidence and skills, and soon they will be playing catch with you if you love to play catch like I do.
1: All parents should have a jar of balloons. They fix so much We we play that's what I let them play ball with in the house as well. And they play a game they just call keepy uppy, you know, where you just keep the balloon up but they run around. It does so I just like anytime we've lost control, I'm like, who would like a balloon from the jar? I think that's so great to like work on those skills because you're right. It's like the catching piece, the weight of it in those little hands is so hard till they get the motion right. So that's a great I love that.
0: I love that too. Uh, great recommendation, guys. Great one, Zach. Um all right, so when you're listening to this, you're about eight days from Christmas. If you don't have a tree yet, I am strongly recommending that you get a synthetic Christmas tree. And if you killed yourself with your real Christmas tree this year, I'm suggesting that next year you get a fake Christmas tree. I am uh I went back and forth this year. We've had the same Christmas tree for a few years. It was the perfect size for our small Brooklyn apartment. It looks very Charlie Brownish here, I have to admit. But I put it up in like five, like it literally took me all of 15 minutes to have all the decorations up, the tree fluffed out, it's lit, it's fine, it's done. It was so easy. And as much as I'm like, you know, we should get a bigger tree, we should get a nicer tree, whatever tree we get next year will also be fake probably. (laughs) <laughs> because I remember the pine needles from childhood and we had a cat then and I remember the cat and I have a cat now and I can only imagine. And so um, don't stress yourself out, especially at this point, even though I'm sure a real tree is good and cheap at this point because they're so close to Christmas. Um, I am recommending just get a tree in a box that you just snap together and when Christmas is over. You just unsnap it and it's done. You don't think about it for a year. Super easy peasy.
2: If I celebrated Christmas, I would follow this advice. That's great advice.
1: Sounds delightful.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And that is it for our show. But wait we have one more recommendation for you as well. Our own Eamon Ismael wrote a beautiful and deeply personal piece about paternal postpartum depression in which he shouted out the amazing mom and dad are fighting listeners for all their love and support. You can check that out at slate.com. There's a link in the show notes. Now that is it for our show. But before we leave, don't forget, subscribe if you haven't. We need you to subscribe. We love it when you subscribe. And if you have a question for us, send it by email at com, or you can post it to Slate Parenting Facebook group, which you can find by just searching for Slate Parenting. And one more thing, I have a special announcement for you today. Slate is having a holiday sale. For a limited time, we're offering our annual Slate Plus membership at $25 off for your first year. It's a great deal. Think about it this way. You spend 10, 15 bucks a month on your music and streaming subscriptions. But with Slate Plus for less than $4 a month, you get member-exclusive episodes and segments from us and other shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, and Political Gap Fest, no ads on any of our podcasts and unlimited reading on the Slate site. And best of all, you'll be supporting our show and Slate's important journalism. Sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com backslash mom and dad plus today. Again, we're giving you $25 off your first year of membership through December 29th. So sign up now at slate.com backslash mom and dad plus. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting was produced by Zach Rosen. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening.